My name is Laura Max Rose, and I have two girls and two very full hands. Parenting is one of the most intense, rewarding, and all-consuming adventures I've ever been on. And wherever you are in your journey, you're not alone. This podcast is where I ask all of my parenting questions and share the answers I find with you. We're all in this together, and I'm so glad you're here. Sit back, relax. You're listening to Look Ma No Hands. I am back here with Megan Leahy. Megan is the author of Parenting Outside the Lines. I think maybe this is your third time on my podcast or second. I can't tell. We've done an Instagram live before, but I just adore you. If there's anyone whose videos truly guide me in my parenting life, um, it's yours. I actually watched this video of yours a few nights ago, um, and it was about boundaries versus consequences. And the next morning I woke up and I had like almost the exact same situation you had dictated in your video with one of my kids. And I was like totally prepared for it. It was fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on like Mono Hands. Yeah, thank you. That's amazing. I'm always impressed. <laughs> when anybody listens to anything, I'm like, wow. I love it. I, well, I was prompted to bring you on here today by one of your other videos, which was something that is such like a hot button issue for me that I really wanted to do an episode about on here, but I never found a way to do it. So you're doing it with me. Um, something that I hear all the time, and I've heard it come out of my own mouth a lot um, in my earlier parenting years. I'm still in them, but probably in the fir my first and second year of a parent, as a parent, um, getting on the same page as your spouse. I am convinced that this is a recipe for turmoil, disaster, and misery in most cases, unless you are absolutely the same person as the person that you chose to marry. I think in like this sort of like obsession with like agreeing with the person that you married about every single parenting strategy is just a recipe for disaster and resentment. And I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, we have to agree about everything because we have to be raising our children in the exact same way. And you did this video saying that's actually not the case. And I was like, okay, I've got to hear more about that. I need her perspective. So here you are. Yeah. The majority of couples who call me want to get on the same page. Um, and that's another way of saying, I want him or her to agree with me. Right. right. Like essentially we're like always telling our partner, like, be like me. Be right. like me. I know. I read this book recently. It's what you're right, to read. Right. Yes. Now, you know, the caveat is always if there's abuse, if there's emotional, physical, sexual, psychological, any kind of like abuse, gaslighting, um, anything in your family or your partnership that is uh, making you feel um, in danger or uh, not right, okay like do something about that right um phone a friend call your doctor call a hotline get help all that aside if you're not partnered with a monster right um you are we're drawn to that person for a reason um i don't meet a lot of people who partner up with somebody just like them um we're often drawn, maybe not to total opposites, but to parts of, of people, you know, you can go to the therapist, like, you know, you married somebody you needed from your childhood, or you married somebody that reminds you of your dad in the good way, or you married somebody that reminds you of your dad in the bad way, or, you know, I mean, there's a million ways to psychoanalyze it, right? But they're bringing something to the family. And um, I find almost every single time it's needed. Right. So if you're a soft touch, you marry somebody who has like more boundaries, more rules, it's easier for them to say no. That's a good thing. Right. If you like find a rule wherever you go and you're married to someone more like chilled out, going with the flow of life, that's a good thing for both of you. Um, and so getting on the same page, uh, I just don't know what that means when it comes to a family. Because um, it can't mean think like me, behave like me, see parenting or the world or like me. It just, um, I, I don't want to say we can't change, but we're pretty cooked. We're pretty cooked. And my theory is, I think women tend to be the ones who say that, like, we need to get on the same page here. I read this book. And I think that's part of like our primal 
parenting instinct, especially it it usually happens like in the first few years of a child's life. Like I know what to do for this child to keep them alive. And like, I like viscerally need you to agree with me and see things the same way so that I can protect this kid the way I believe they need to be protected. I think most of us, like as our children get older, it's easier to see like the benefits of the fact that your partner actually brings something else to the table. And if I could help anybody see that sooner, (laughs) I would want to do that because I think it can just be this like road to nowhere. Um, And I I find that like a lot of parenting coaches, a lot of people out there will kind of go there first, like, you know, make sure your husband like reads this too and agrees with you and you guys can do this together. And I'm like, well, you know, there are going to be a lot of cases where he actually is interested in doing something else or wants right. to do things differently. And, it, and it's, I, I feel like that whole mentality of like, you have to agree about everything, especially for like new moms can set them up for total resentment and disaster. Yeah. It's interesting too, because our culture like really screws us over on numerous levels. You know, women are still bearing the brunt of most of the parenting work, right? And we expect our spouse, if you're in a, you know, uh, straight marriage, right? Um, If you are married to a man, you're a woman married to a a man. Um, We easily fall into these old norms, right? Of Mm -hmm. like, I had the baby, I know what I'm doing. A lot of women disempower their spouses like they are like quietly cutting down their husbands. And then when the husbands are like, <laughs> screw it, you know, yeah. they're like, I can't believe you're leaving to go play golf or whatever. Um, and also we have this, and, and I don't blame women for this because we have this kind of normed thing that it's the women that do like, it's us. It's, you know, we are raising and da 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 da. Right. And biologically, that's not how humans and mammals are made. Right. That, no, it's not. Elaborate. Right. It like so. Yes. Do we make milk? Yes. Okay. But other than that, um, like the child does not need to be loved into existence by a woman or a mother. Right. Mm. Anybody who picks up an infant and loves it and right attaches to it can help that baby grow up. So this idea that there's just one person that provides the entire social emotional well-being for a child is completely insane. Does everybody hear that? Because right. Megan's looking at me with the gestures, but you can't hear her. Yeah, no. right. <laughs> yeah. We're and, making ourselves crazy. Yeah. And yeah. so in a lot of very successful um, family cultures around the world, it's very normal for a baby or it used to be less and less for, to be fed by numerous people. Yeah, held yeah. by numerous people, right? Because why would God or biology or nature create such a tenuous system where, you know, how so many women die in childbirth? Right. So why would right. like, our one person's lives be dependent on one other person? Right. Correct. So right there, that's number one. Then number two, it's actually a gift to a child to have two different parenting techniques. Your child can handle it right? Unless there is like a gaslighting, abusive, uh, really big split in morals and values, um, your child benefits from having both partners do different things, right? It builds builds resilience. It builds um, uh, the early understanding that people are different, right? And and you see this all the time. Children filter through coaches and teachers and other adults in their lives, grandparents, aunties, uncles, neighbors, and they handle it. They handle it, right? It's just, is that person attaching to that child in a compassionate, loving, and boundaried way? Now, I think as long as the love is there, yes. you know, I mean, I'm not going to go in. I see, you know, teachers at my daughter's schools, they teach in ways that I do not parent. Um, but I think it's important for my kids to be, to experience that. I think it's important for them to have to navigate other adults and other ways of doing things. 
Right. And is it abusive? Um, are they not seeing your child or understanding your child properly? Does it run afoul of a deeply held like belief or moral or ethic you have? If no, no, no. Eh. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I, we had a, she actually is just leaving. We've had a babysitter for 17 years. I love actually, it. I was 20, even though I was 17 year old. And, um, she's just been with our family forever. Um, and she literally fed my kids like they were baby birds until like last year. My kids are like practically grown adults and I would come in and she'd be like feeding them. That is okay. amazing. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I would be like, what is happening here? What is the <laughs> like lack of independence, right? My first child, I was like, Maria, don't do this. Second child, I'm like, whatever. Third child, I'm like, I'm out. I, I don't even care. Like, they could be like, Go ahead. Them the like a baby bird. Like, cool. Bye. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, okay. So there's that. So then if the parents don't need to be on the same page, then how do they stop fighting about what's happening, right? And so this is communication, right? This is communication 101. This is all the stuff we skip over when we're dating. <laughs> <laughs> totally right because everybody gets triggered by parenting or having their buttons pushed by parenting in ways that you never saw coming you can't anticipate it no i mean you can't yeah. anticipate it and even if you've gone through therapy for your crappy mom or your abusive dad or your dysfunctional family all of a sudden your kid does one thing and you're like back in it yeah and you're looking at your spouse like <gasps> you're hurting right <laughs> so then, it, it's true right people aren't ready they're right. not ready for it so all my coaching is really like okay what is happening in your body when your kid throws the remote right yeah okay yeah. what is happening in your body right and somebody is like flipping out about disrespect the other person's like kids throw stuff right yeah. so all we kind of do is try and appreciate each other's viewpoint understand the kid developmentally and come up with a better plan, right? Over and over and over until like the kids move out. That's the gig. That's what you keep doing. Right. Yeah. Just like turning to each other, like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? You know? Um, and compromise just means somebody loses. So Who's going to lose? Who's going to lose this time? I love that compromise just means somebody loses. I think there's a reason why as children get older, it's easier for us to kind of see that and get into the rhythm of that. I see so many first time moms that I just totally relate to and want to like hug over Instagram because I've been there like that first year of your child's life and you're just blown away by how difficult it is and how stressful it can be on your partnership or your marriage. And it's like, it's very hard. And I think it, it does get easier. I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think that like, I know when I was a mother of a child that little, my first, my first kid, even with my second, um, a lot of the messages that I was getting were about like fixing how I was feeling through like getting on the same page. And I just look back on that and it's like the most destructive piece of advice I think I could have possibly received and how normal it is to be there and how much easier it actually does get. And now, like I think about, I am an extremely structured human being when it comes to parenting. Structure makes me feel safe. Structure makes me feel like I can breathe and be happy and take care of my kids and be a good parent. My husband is the exact opposite. He wants to go on adventures. He wants to take them out like mountain climbing. I don't have the, I can't do that. Like gives me anxiety. So I'm really grateful that like somebody else is doing it because I wouldn't be able to do that stuff. Um, that's right. not stuff I could see when I had like an eight month old kid because an eight month old can't climb a mountain. So there's a lot that we can't see um, right. until our children are older. Absolutely. And so I think it's important that more people talk about that and know it. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's interesting too is that when you talk about it being a destructive piece of advice, what I see a lot and absolutely what I fell into myself it, it's almost unavoidable kind of sometimes I feel like um is that the the mom will start to parent the husband yes absolutely and then what you have is this infantilization of this grown man or you know your grown partner 
my it's man, not very sexy. Woman, I don't yeah. care. Right. Um, and now the burnout for the mom is off the charts. Um, talk about resentment, right? So they're just, they're controlling everyone. Meanwhile, they're controlling no one. Right. No. Right. <laughs> if I could control people, first of all, I'd be a billionaire. Right. Yeah. Totally. In the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I could let go off all my meds and like live my life. <laughs> um but I you can't, right like you can't um, you can't and it's funny too because i know in our culture too we're obsessed with 50 50 and equal equal and blippity bloppity and life is often it? not 50 50. well it's like, often, i mean it's rare that it's a 50 50 split between two people i found like i think life is so much more vulnerable than we try to make it and so much more like um, honest than we try to make it. You know, sometimes it's 90-10 in one direction, sometimes in the other direction, just kind of depends on what's going on. Like you have to go with the flow and to be controlling that ratio constantly. I mean, so much of what I see is about like obsessing over that. And it's like, where is this and getting us? what works with your family. Yeah, so like my do what works for your family. It's up and leaves the house at 6 a.m. Yeah. So I had kids, the entirety I've had them, 17 yeah. years. I've gotten three kids out of the house by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I relate. I, I know. And the first year I spent begging my husband to like help me because I was supposed to be doing it with him because that was like what all the blogs were telling me. And like right. the second I gave that up, it's like, oh wow. Like I'm really, oh, no, he's home, he ruins the flow. Yeah. Right? It ruins like, the, I actually don't even. So I finally had a therapist say like, would you want his help? Like honestly picture, like imagine. Imagine if he woke up and helped you get the kids dressed. What does that look like? And I'm like, then I'm changing them out of those clothes and putting them in the ones they're supposed to be wearing. <laughs> I actually want to be doing it by myself. Like, Correct. it's like, it's not even something I wanted any help with. It's just like right. what I'm being told, like looks good or is healthy for my children to be seeing. And it's like such bullshit. But you talk a lot about norm, like normal, like what's normal. And what I loved so much about your videos, which you talked about when we weren't recording, but Parents come to you with their questions. You do a column in the Washington Post where you answer questions from parents. And they're often all from a place of like, how do I control this or how do I control that? I am the parent with those questions myself. Usually related to tech, usually related to what the pandemic, whatever is going on. And I find that your answers are often like the most obvious thing you could possibly think of that nobody's thought of. So there was one child who was having accidents at age seven in bed and like the parents were trying to stop the peeing from happening. So since nobody, I don't know if anybody saw that video who's listening, I, I would love for you to, to give us your answer to that and what, how you advise those parents. Um, I mean, put the, put the kid in a pull-up. Put the right? kid in they, a pull-up. They make them huge for a right. reason. This right? happens to kids. to size 12. Yeah. Now, yeah. again, caveat, caveat, caveat. Um, Urination in the bed, frequent, constant, chronic, can be a sign of all kinds of things. Uh, things wrong with the body, sexual abuse, huge um, strain, stress, transition in the family, right? Um, so it is a regressive behavior that can point to something else. Yes. So you were advising this family, investigate those things. Have you been to Correct. the doctor? Correct. Correct. Right. Like always call your pediatrician always you know and i hate to be like is your child being sexually abused right yeah yeah but I mean, you know lots of kids are i think it's like one in six one wow. in four i didn't yeah okay that's a lot it's a lot right so and almost always by somebody you know right so i have to ask that because a lot of people are a lot of kids are being sexually abused and also as far as I know, unless it's changed, there is a hormone that is released that wakes a human up when they need to pee, right? We cannot force that hormone. Maturation does that work, right? So you can put bed alarms on, those wet alarms, you can withhold water, you can like hover over them, you can shame them into changing sheets and clothes and everything else. Right. But if that hormone isn't kicking in, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do now. And all these other things, um, I haven't seen anybody's behavior, especially children's improve with shame. 
So if you cannot control a bodily function and the people that you're supposed to be receiving your cues from about mm -hmm. how you are in the world are. <laughs> She's making a face, everyone. You can't you know, see her. Angry and disappointed. And what's wrong with you? Right. That increased anxiety actually causes more trauma, which, causes which more interferes pain. with growth. Mm -hmm. which interferes with urinating in the bowel. Yeah, it's a, it just, it's like the exact opposite. I don't know. I know, I know so many parents my age, like either from what we've read or the way we were raised, just feel like, well, I have to do something about the peeing. Like I have to change it or fix it. And it's like, well, first, like, let's call the right people. Let's put the pull up on. So you're not changing the sheets like every five seconds. Let's give everyone relief. Let's give everybody relief first. You also talked about this. And I loved this question because I feel like I have been this mother so many times. Someone asked you, Hey, my kid went to camp for seven weeks, didn't have an iPad, had no screen time for seven weeks. This is a 14 year old kid. How do I maintain that now that she's home? Is there any way that I can keep the screen out of our lives? And you brought your child on the Instagram video with you and you ran the, you ran the uh, question by them and said, you know, um, what do you think about this? And they said like, well, why doesn't this parent a kind of like focus on some of the hobbies like that this child might have, like not obsessing over taking the screen away, but also like we're in the middle of a pandemic, like, the kid was at camp. That's why they weren't on their screen. Like now that they're home, of course they're going to want to be on it. And then you said, is it really practical to take a screen away from a 14 year old kid? Megan's shaking her head. No, you can't yeah, see, I, but yes. I mean, so any kind of question is, that points to how can I move backward toward how something was, the answer is you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You can't, you yeah. can't move backward. So if you decide as a family like this is how our family thrives like this is a great unschool go off the grid just buy books go live in the forest like i support that you. i'm right. not even being facetious like, people do that. <laughs> otherwise it's an integration it's a reintegration about you know talking to the kid like you have this amazing break like, yeah what were the best parts that you, what were the best things you learned about yourself at camp? What surprised you? What, what brought you dismay? You know, what was, what were, what did you miss about tech? What did you not miss? Right. Having a 14 year old is like a full teen. You well, know, I think we start to talk to them. I wonder if we start to talk to the, our teenagers the way we speak to ourselves, right? Like, how can I make it so they never want to touch the screen again? I mean, that's how I talk to myself. How can I stop putting the TV on so my kid never sees another episode of Peppa Pig because I have so much guilt about it, right? There's this parental guilt around TV and screen time, which was just like so exacerbated by a pandemic over which we had no control. And I'm sort of getting to the point where like, I'm noticing where my kids are learning a lot from the shows that they've seen, stuff that I didn't know when I was their age. And I'm like, listen, I just can't, they seem really happy. I'm done. Like I am done monitoring this to this degree. Like this is making me insane. Like, well, and, and parents are doing what they have to do to get through and I mean, unprecedented, but in order to work, um, yeah. not lose their minds. And for a lot of kids stay in school, tech, has to happen even let's say all the kids going back to school guess what kids are using in school tech yeah. okay so like that's our world what's our right we couldn't be doing this without tech i couldn't have no. my job without tech so we we need it's to not all bad <laughs> no we really need to embrace what's amazing about it the friends yeah. these kids make the hobbies they have the creativity the enjoyment of going a little brain dead um the, the fun of binging shows right do we have to work harder as parents to find boredom yeah yeah, yeah we do yeah. yeah does it make us i don't want to say lazy can is it easy to create like bad habits in parenting of having tech become babysitters yes absolutely or to honor is the feeling that our kids need to be stimulated all the time because they can be correct yeah correct do we need to prepare ourselves for talking to kids about sex sexuality 
so much earlier because most kids by third grade have seen porn. Mm -hmm. Most kids by third grade have seen porn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're via how, like via their phones, iPads. Mm -hmm. Their friends find it and like show it to them. This is a age group I haven't entered yet. So you're enlightening yeah. me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there needs like, you know, a lot of us, the way we grew up, you know, like porn and paper bags, you know, brown paper bags. Yeah, it was a totally different one. Cinemax and, you know, these these things that you were a little older um, or they, and I mean, Playboy now looks downright chaste, right? It's like, like, what is that? Like, is that People Magazine? Right. right I remember I got like, so I got an AOL account when I was in fourth grade. Um, my first like instant messenger account and, you know, it was before like junk email was really a thing. So maybe you would get like a couple of them a week and I got one and I didn't know what it was. And it said like XXX or something in the subject. I don't even know what that was. I was in fourth grade. So I clicked on the link and of course it was porn and it was this website and like, it was, oh my God, I was horrified. And I ran and told my nanny, um, like, what is this? Um, and she just like shut it down and was like, just let's never look at it again. And then my mom comes to me like the next day and she's like, you know, Elizabeth was my nanny's name. Like Elizabeth told me that you were looking at no, like what's going on. And I was like, I, I have no idea. Like what I even opened, like what, why am I in trouble right now? Megan shaking your head. And I was like, okay, so this is like a bad thing that I'm like not supposed to ever open or look at, but no one's telling me what it is. And like, okay, this is an example of like something I'm definitely not going to do like in the future with my own children. Right. And I think about that a lot. And now, like, I mean, I was really young when that happened, but I guess I was in fourth grade and that was in the nineties. So third grade would make sense um, given yeah. that everybody has access now. And it's like, we have to tell our kids what's going on. There's this amazing website, amaze.org. I'm pretty yeah. sure it is, .org. And it's literally how to discuss anything with your kids that's like amaze.org maze yeah okay. uh, sex sexuality gender um fluidity porn pregnancy periods puberty everything also my my friends um vanessa crow bennett and Kara natterson have a new puberty podcast out and Kara natterson is the co-author of um the Karen Keeping of You, the, yes. the, the American Girl doll puberty yes. books. So whatever, whoever is listening to this, whenever you think you should start to talk to your kids, um, just do it now. <laughs> just do it now. <laughs> just now, yeah. now, now. Look at it as biology, look at it as science, mm -hmm. right? You, you would talk about their hearts or their livers or their, you know, so you're also gonna talk about their genitalia um, what about puberty? Like I, what about like, I remember learning about my period, um, when I was like old enough to have gotten it. Right. So I learned about it like a year before I got it. Yeah. But I, I, that, I look at my own kid, like I have an almost five-year-old. I'm not even really sure she would like have the context for that necessarily, but like, she's definitely not going to be 12 when I tell her. Right. So like, yeah. Well, so the good thing is if you, if you start, if you just are naming parts and what they do then it's not as shocking to them it's just a function of yeah. the body right. right so it's not this like you know unveiling oh my god <laughs> here we are right, like, <laughs> so traumatizing my friend the person i interviewed um last week bleamy heller she is unconditional parenting on instagram she has like thirty-five thousand followers she did a poll to everyone following her yesterday and said like, did your parents like tell you about puberty like before you were 12? And like 98% of people said no. Like they were just like shocked, like when it happened, like, oh my God, you know, I, I can't, I can, I can remember that just vividly. Like what's gonna happen to me? What are you talking about? Right, and to some extent, until it happens, and even when it happens, nobody's really ready. It always feels scary. Yeah. It always is a shock. It always is like, wait, what's happening? Like, we're so open in my house, and even my 11-year-old, when she was 10, was like, Mom, I just thought it happened once. It's every month. And I'm like, oh, boy, I dropped oh, the ball no. on that. I'm like, girl. Sorry to what? burst your bubble. It's every month. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And for a lot of us, this is very fraught. I have a lot of empathy. A lot of us did not get the support we needed, men or women. Yeah. Um, we did not uh, get the education. We did not learn how to love or respect our bodies or tune into them. Or, And so we are learning a new language. Yes. And it can be um, very awkward and strange. Yeah. And a lot of us haven't accepted our own sexuality or bodies and now we're supposed to help our kids do it so you know any steps that parents take right and this amaze site has um scripts yeah it has, like it has a thing for parents it has a thing for kids it has a thing by age it has a thing everything um because they're seeing it your kids are seeing all of it they are they are yes we we really I'll, I talk to the kids when we talk about porn. I'm like, yeah, that's acting. Uh, men don't look like that. <laughs> Women don't look like that. No one looks like that. And they're not actually like, that's not an intimate thing. Like somebody calls cut and they like go get a nice tea. And my kids are like, really? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And they're I, like, Whoa, oh, okay. <laughs> like this isn't real life. I love it. Well, let's talk about the pandemic then for a minute, because this is something, you know, for about a month here over the summer, I think parents got to believe our kids were going back to school to a pretty normal world. Now yep. we have a Delta variant. Most kids are going to be wearing masks again. Um, you were talking about, you know, things lingering with children and them knowing everything. They already know, right? Whether or not we tell them, they see what's happening in the world around them. How, yep. how is this affecting our kids how how do you feel about how it's affecting them and all of how that's affecting their parents um we don't really know yet because we're still so in it it's like not at all over right no it's not um, so in terms of good longitudinal studies on mental health care we just don't have it um anecdotally um, since I've literally never been busier, since I've been working with families 150,000 years, um, I have never seen this much anxiety and depression, especially in tweens and teens. Really? Um, and what do you think? Is that because they're going back to like a masked world? Like, okay, you're shaking your head now. So what, <laughs> what is the anxiety and depression now that you're seeing? So... Um, you know, developmentally speaking, the youngest kids, their parents struggled mightily, um, but they're like, they don't need uh, that much yeah. stuff. Yes. Their dip. proms weren't canceled. <laughs> they didn't right. have they're, these huge milestones that they knew about. Right. Right. They're, you know, for not all, but for many kids, um, their lives just kind of continued with not enough outside play. Right, it, when parks were shut down and things like that. Um, again, the parents struggled and many kids were in very unsafe situations. Now, developmentally with our middle schoolers, late elementary school, sometimes too in high school, there are some key transitional routines and things built into our culture and society that launch you into the next age, into the next stage. There's um, romantic life, there's your social life, you've gotten good at a hobby or a sport, you, um, there's just this anticipation, right, of, mm -hmm. of what's going to happen, good, bad, and indifferent, right, and um, our kids are just not meant to be without coaches, teachers, church, their village their people. village yeah right and uh they don't learn well and so we took it all away and kind of like an engine it just like and now we're supposed to start it back up and it's a little bit of like tick 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 <laughs> right like yeah. they are having trouble finding their footing um they don't it's almost like they forget like wait what do i do how do i you know, how do I go in and do this, right? Um, which I'm so glad, you know, so many kids could go to camp this summer and do those things because that's a little primer into being together again, even for a bit. 
So there is a lot, a lot, lot of anxiety around simply going back into things. Where do they stand academically? Where do they stand socially? Like, and the parents don't know because we don't know what we're doing either. This is everybody's first pandemic. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of um, stomach aches, headaches, a ton of eating disorders. Really? I kind of thought, (laughs) that's so interesting you should say that because when I was in high school, eating disorders were rampant and then like everybody got a smartphone and it kind of seems like now everybody's like addicted to other stuff, but you don't hear about the eating disorders as much. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that makes sense because people are trying to control their environment, right? And control it. Right. And, you know, all that time that these kids would have been in school, Mm -hmm. um, bumping in the hallways, bullshitting with their friends, blah, 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 hobby, sports, moving their bodies, art, theater, or just going to school and coming home. They're on tech. They're on screens. It's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. And just staring at other people's bodies and lives and um comparing themselves to it that's going to make anybody depressed i mean like, plastic surgery has gone up like 300 percent or something in the pandemic because everybody's staring at themselves on zoom like i'm starting to think like my nose is really big like, i i like look at myself right. nose nose jobs have apparently gone way up because it's like you're looking at yourself like through a peephole like yes. it feels like your whole face is right. completely distorted like all the time that's going to affect people yes And so it's, um, especially teenagers, especially teenagers. So they've really, I've just never seen so many tweens and teens, um, struggle this way and, and struggle like they were doing okay before pandemic. Yeah. And, And then can't, don't get out of bed, dropped out of school, not continuing. Right. Like severe, severe depression. Like now they have decided they're not continuing. Yeah, the parents, yeah. they become immovable forces. Again, nobody hires me because things are great, right? right. But anecdotally, um, it's, and if there's any trauma in the family before this, it was just. It was just totally, and we didn't talk about that. And that makes me insane, I have to be honest. And divorces are through the roof, through the roof. And there's nothing, I mean, I'm not reading anything about that. I'm not, and, and I, I feel like the reason for that is that, you know, in order to keep everybody safe, like, let's not talk about all of these other consequences. But if we don't talk about them, we're not going to be able to find actual practical solutions for like our society moving forward because they are real and they are happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing. Um, so, you know, I just kind of keep beating the drum that like, we're not going back to normal. That's gone yeah. mm-hmm. forever. Can't move backward. There's no more normal for that. There will just be continue to be new normals, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's always the way. It just is very like obvious right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in moving forward, we have to use and advocate for a lot of compassion and grace around um, restarting things or re-entering things or our expectations around behavior, our own behavior, um, to, to just be more gentle with it all and not be like, here we go, da-da-da, Well, I feel like we won't be able to move forward without that compassion and grace. So I believe we will find it. And I also think it's something that was really missing from the high school hallway before this pandemic started. So if anything, right, if anything, we are being prompted to have a more compassionate approach with children and with everybody in a school system and with teachers. And um, we're talking about anxiety more. We're talking about these very real things that have always affected us. Um, but are affecting us so much more now. Yes, yes, so much so more. Much more now. I'm so glad all of those families have you, and I'm so grateful to get to talk to you like this. If you yeah. haven't read Megan's book yet, check it out. Parenting Outside the Lines is like an Amazon, what is it? Bestseller, featured oh. something. It's been there for like 100 years, I feel like. Oh, look, uh, John, May, uh, my, uh, my Amazon is like, 
talking because you just said Amazon. Um, yeah, it's, it's editor's pick for nonfiction. It's the editor's pick for nonfiction. I don't know what that means. I don't know I how think it just means it's that, but I'm like, every time I check, I'm like, <laughs> well, I found it. Speaking of anxiety, I found it to be just such a calming book. I don't read that many parenting books, contrary to popular belief, because they make me insane. But this one called out to me and I called you from Barnes and Noble. I'm yes. just like, I'm reading this book and you've got to come on my podcast because it's so like, trust yourself. It's all good. Put the diaper on. Like, it's fine. I just, I needed, I needed that when I read it and I love your book so much. So I'm Thank so glad you. the editors at Amazon picked it. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. I hope you liked that last episode of Look Ma No Hands. Feel free to take a screenshot, share it with a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear it. If you want all the Look Ma No Hands updates, follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Froze. I look forward to joining you again next time.
I hope you liked that last episode of Look Ma No Hands. Feel free to take a screenshot, share it with a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear it. If you want all the Look Ma No Hands updates, follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Froze. I look forward to joining you again next time.